With all the focus on the conflict in the Middle East, even Volodymyr Zelensky has been honest about the fact that it seems that the West has kind of lost its interest in Ukraine, which is devastating if you consider that the future of Ukraine's security and the need to defeat Vladimir Putin is pretty well essential to the future peace of Europe. We've been joined on numerous occasions by Melinda Herring. She is senior advisor at Razum for Ukraine, which is a, uh, and she's a non-resident senior fellow at the Atlantic Council, but she's also freshly back from Ukraine. So I'm very curious about the conversation we're going to have. Nice to have you. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks, John, for having me back. I have a friend who's a Canadian who's living in Ukraine, Adam Zivo, and what fascinates me is that day to day, and he's in Odessa, he finds it to be a fairly peaceable existence, even though the country's at war. What was your experience? John, that's exactly my experience. It's, and it's a little shocking and jarring. So I've been back for a week back in you know suburban Washington, and I'm still sort of reeling from it because you have these beautiful, incredible moments where you're sitting in front of these gorgeous historic sites and castles. People are playing the violin. Uh, and then you would go and have you know an unbelievable Italian meal. And then the next morning you're woken up uh, with an air, air siren. So it, it's they're calling it the new normal is the way that Ukrainians talk about it, where they've figured out how to live and carry on and you know fall in love. People die, people go dancing, they have normal weekends. But it, it depends really on where you are. It's not that situation on the front lines. I went out to the front lines in October, and that's a much scarier existence. You know, there's deep anxiety, uh, deep societal anger, and you're just on edge all the time. But, you know, in Kiev, in a, that, which has very, very good air defense systems, uh, there's definitely a sense of normal life and you can have normal meetings and a packed schedule. The only thing that's a little um, different is you may be running to a meeting, the air siren goes off, you pull out your phone, you see what kind of missile it is, you determine if it's coming near you, if it's coming near you, you get to a bomb shelter, if not, you carry on about your day and you try not to fall in the snow. So I'd say life is pretty normal in Kiev. Okay, so what is the resolve of the Ukrainians. And I think we have to sort of put that in the perspective of it really does seem that the West is moving on, especially the United States. Yeah, the picture is pretty complicated, the, the big picture. And, and what, number one, I want to say, John, thank you to you and your team for keeping a spotlight on this story. I know there's uh, you know thousands of, of uh, Canadian Ukrainians in Toronto, and it's awesome. Keep doing what you're doing and keep uh, telling the story. So first of all, thank you. Uh, the big picture is a little bleak right now. The war uh, is in a difficult position. U.S. assistance to Ukraine is stuck over our border issues. Uh, the Hungarians are being very bad in the European Union, and they've just vetoed a big uh, assistance package that's really crucial to keeping Ukraine as a state afloat. So, so that's another complicating factor. And then there's domestic politics in Ukraine uh, that are giving me a lot of anxiety. So the the picture is is bleak. I would not say though that the United States doesn't care. You know, Ukraine has been a central part uh, of the Biden administration's policy, and it's something that he cares very deeply about. So our 
our assistance, the U.S. assistance is not going anywhere. It's just, you know, it's Christmas. Uh, there is another war, as you mentioned, and we're 600 days. And it's it's not obvious what the solution is here, right? Like, this is a complicated war. When you look at what the Russians are doing, the, the, the assistance figures that they've committed on the defense side for 2024 and 25, they're enormous. Uh, so this is, you know, just to sum it up, the, the, the big question is, does Vladimir Putin care more about Ukraine than we, the West? do. And, and that's the moment that we're in right now. And how does it change the complexion of things if Ukraine joins the EU? It's a big deal if Ukraine joins the EU, but it's a long, long process. Yeah. So it's very complicated. Uh, it's going to take 10 years, uh, but it, that, that's that's like the, the good estimate. And agriculture is going to be a big, um, you know, it's going to be very complicated to harmonize all the regulations. Uh, but, it, you know, last week I was encouraged. It wasn't a great week for Ukraine for all the factors that I said. But the fact that the EU is saying, you know, you're 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 on the you're on the road, you're part of Europe. It means that Europe has not given up on Ukraine, even with all of its complications. Uh, but Vladimir Putin also thinks that he's, you know, he 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 thinks that he's sitting on top. And he gave a very boastful speech last week, saying that essentially the same things that he said in 22, John, that you and I have talked about, that Ukraine is full of Nazis uh, and that they need to not be affiliated with NATO. Uh, and it's game on, baby, is what he said last week. So, you know, the fight is real. Uh, the, the, the story is, you know, we're seeing a lot of the same themes that we've seen over the last two years. Uh, but I'm encouraged that Europe is saying, uh, no way, this is not your neighborhood uh, and we're, we're playing for real. Okay. And one last question, just for sheer practicality, because occasionally I think maybe I will drop in on Ukraine. Um, did you have to fly to a, another country and then take a train or how did you go? John, I would love to do a story. I was just talking with your uh, with your staff before I came on, and there are so many cool human interest stories uh, that it would be great to tell uh, with your radio show. You could tell the, the 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 history of Ukraine through the coffee bean. That's one story uh, that would be a lot of fun. But you fly into Warsaw, uh, so so you know it takes a day to, to get over, and then you you take the train, and it takes another day. So it's it's a two hour train journey, and this is the first time I met tourists. So you know, in spite of the headlines we see. Uh, People are starting to come back uh, and, and see their friends and come over for birthdays and celebrations. And I even met a German tourist. I couldn't believe it. I had. I said, I got to see your passport. But I, I would. I, I, I encourage people to come over Kiev and particularly the western parts of Ukraine. Uh, people, people would love to meet you and see. Uh, you know, introduce you to to all of the traditions and all the beauty and warmth that Ukraine can offer. Thanks so much. It's an absolute pleasure to have you. Thank you so much. Merry Christmas. And thanks again for everything you've done for Ukraine this year. Oh, Merry Christmas to you. Melinda Herring is a senior advisor at what is known as Razom for Ukraine. And she's a great spokesperson, obviously, for the cause, but also that was quite the tourism commercial there. Now I'm thinking maybe I got to go. That's the crazy thing about a war zone, though, isn't it? That if you reflect on the fact that uh, Germany and England were at war from 1939 to 1945, and there was the blitz and the, you know, there was the bombardment of London and elsewhere, I mean, the total eradication of one city in particular, there was the air war, and yet every single day people got up, kids went to school, the milkman brought the milk, and uh, life marched on.